everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Nathan Cassiatis. I'm a business growth expert where I help business owners grow and scale to create wealth and freedom. And today, I have an awesome guest. His name is Sanjay Parashir, and he's a versatile professional, entrepreneur, and philanthropist who constantly pushes boundaries to unlock unlimited potential. And with a background as a former professional cricketer, he transitioned to a career in health sciences, earning degrees in health science and podiatric medicine. And as the founder and director of three successful health businesses, Sanjay has become Australia's highest earning podiatrist, achieving impressive financial success. Additionally, he's made his mark in real estate, owning numerous properties and running successful Airbnb accommodations. Sanjay's business acumen extends to the tech sector, where he's founded a software solution. And despite his busy professional life, he remains dedicated to his passions for fitness, gym training, health optimization, and meditation. And guided by core values of fulfillment, financial freedom, consistency, and discipline, Sanjay prioritizes personal and professional growth. And he aims to bring positive change to the lives of those he interacts with through his businesses and personal endeavors, serving as an inspiring figure for success and fulfillment. So welcome, Sanjay Parashir, and thank you for being on my show. Athan, I'd like to thank you for the very warm welcome. Couldn't be more accurate, so thank you again. Uh, you're very welcome, mate. I love it. And it's awesome to have you here as well. I'm sure you're going to be providing a lot of value for everyone watching and listening today. So you're a very successful entrepreneur. So for those people who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself by yeah telling us about you and your journey. Beautiful. Well, it all started uh, when I was a, a young child, uh, born, grown up in Australia, um, immigrant parents. You know, they've come here, worked really hard. And, you know, um, they, were, they were middle class. They worked really well, um, studied hard, you know, got great jobs and put us in a good position to have a little bit of freedom of choice, I would say. And from there, you know, they enrolled me into sport and I was naturally a very positive and, and gifted child that was very curious. And Nathan, I can say one thing, that curiosity still remains to this very moment. Very curious to understand even about your beautiful background you've got there, mate. You've got probably one of the best views I can see of Sydney right now. So... Mate, um, you know, it all sort of started from that background. Um, and then I got into professional cricket. I was always gifted at school, loved sport, um, had a great connection with sport and pushing myself from a very young age. And I was naturally competitive in a positive way as well. You know, I tried many sports. Cricket was definitely that one. And it could be because of the in my Indian background as well. You know, my, my parents loved it. I was around it all the time. And I continued to push myself and excel. Now, one thing I wanted to highlight, Athen, is even in my cricket career, you know, I had peaks and troughs. As a young child, I wasn't the best cricketer. And, you know, um, I worked really hard on mindset at a young age when I wasn't making some teams. Um, and I came out on the other end, amazingly. You know, all it took was 12 months for me to become, from from average to one of the best in, in the whole area at the time. Um, I used to live out west of Sydney at the time there. Um, you know, it was quite competitive especially being of a different heritage. Um, you know, I did stand out quite a lot as I was growing up. So even catering to that sort of pressure, um, you know, definitely built who I, who I am today and who I was even at that time. From there, mate, I went to a sports high school. That was the journey. And I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. The sports high school really put myself in a mindset of other sporting um, students who wanted to excel as well, believe it or not. It's a public school. But the environment that you're in where everyone wants to do better and you see people performing and you know some people are going to represent their country, 
that are around you at the time is a phenomenal feeling. And that sort of sparked further competition and further excellence, I would say, in what I did. I graduated school, uh, made state teams. I started, you know, playing cricket at a professional level, international level, uh, went straight into university with a decent mark, and I, I enrolled into podiatry. And the reason why podiatry came about was I loved the human body. I loved fitness at the time. Mate, I would um, transparently turn away girls to go to the gym when I was in high school, you know. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's how transparent it really was and how focused I really was at the time. And um, I sort of transitioned that into, you know, podiatry because I love the human body. Uh, I've seen a podiatrist when I was younger. I had a lot of problems with my feet and my ankles and my back. Started, started up podiatry and I wasn't the best student. I failed one year, believe it or not. So with a failure at university, um, you know, and then I started to sustain injuries uh, in the cricket space as well. I ended up having ankle surgery uh, two years into my degree. And it really made me start to think and say, hey, if I have been out of the sport so far for so long, you know, what's my certainty moving forward? This quickly transitioned and I said, hey, mum and dad, I'm moving to social media because I've made more money off social media compared to my cricket career as I was doing fitness modelling at the time and acting. And I pursued that whilst I was at university as well. From there, I graduated university. I could not get a, a, an interview at all uh, for a podiatry job. So I had to start my own business. And from there, mate, I never looked back. I've scaled my business nationally now uh, across all states except Victoria and Tasmania. And, and uh, what we've now done is also launched a disability business, which looks after um, you know, independent living and short-term accommodation. And then finally, I've now invested into property. Um, the property portfolio is growing. In the last three years, I've accumulated 37 properties. Yeah. Awesome, man. What a story there. I love it. Um, from those challenging times at the start. And I love the bit about the environment. I think, you know, for everyone there, you know, the key thing that Sanjay mentioned there was the environment that it was put in that allowed him to then, you know, have, uh, factor that in and really take reins and, and, you know, that direction that he wanted to go. That's how important, you know, our environment is. We could do as much as we can ourselves, but the environment we put ourselves or our parents put us in, um, you know, depending on the age is extremely important um, in that one there. So love that, mate. And um, yeah, great experience there. And um, so obviously you've got that professional cricketer background. I think you, you spoke a lot about that around the mindset element that you just talked about there, which, you know, within 12 months, right, you, you turn that around and everything there. So let's talk a bit about mindset initially, because I think that's it's a really important topic. I love mindset. I'm you know, NLP master practitioner. I help people with their mindset uh, as well as the business. But um, you've obviously done a lot. You've got a lot of great experience there. So what do you think is the perfect mindset or the mindset that we should be having, you know, from an entrepreneur lens? For sure. I think... Uh you know, really following innately what comes natural to you. And a lot of the time, you know, and I see it around me all the time, Athen, um, you know, these individuals, they look at something and they will have a spark of uninformed optimism is probably the best way to say it, that they think because someone else is successful in a certain area or doing a certain thing, that's what they need to do next. And you'll see people, they want to be an entrepreneur or they want to do something on their own. You know, they don't want that standard nine to five job and they want to have a little bit more control on their lives and also reap those rewards. However, they're unclear on their general direction. And I think what comes natural to me is if I understand something 
I'm naturally very opportunistic. And if it makes sense, I will literally look at it unemotionally, you know, do the numbers. Um, I'll understand what the risk factors are of it. I'll see what I currently have and I'll use what I currently have to move into that space. And this is what I did. You know, um, let's take it back to podiatry, which is my main core uh, profession, my main core business, and which has set up my success so far, so far. And that's what I like to highlight because there may be more coming. But ideally, what I did is I, I used what I had. I wasn't getting an interview at the time. You know, I was hitting multiple roadblocks after doing five years and failing as well. And remember, I wasn't the best student. So it's not like I could go out there and I knew everything. And I, I made what I had and I used what I had and I got into a medical center and I learned, you know, I learned from the patients that were presented to me. I learned how we could help them. I learned how to communicate to them. I learned how to leverage. I learned how to provide them a better product and more value. And that's what I consistently did, you know. And the biggest thing I would like to say from a mindset perspective is there are no barriers. One of the biggest lessons I learned is I got to treat a billionaire patient. So a billionaire came to see me. I quickly understood who he was, what he did, his net wealth. We were very transparent with one another. And the key key factor, which I asked him and I said, what separates you and what's allowed you to push on for so long? And, you know, you're only 65 now. You're still healthy. You know, what's allowed you to get to the position that you're in? And he said, what I don't understand about people is they put barriers on themselves and they feel like there's problems that they can't fix. But he looked at me and he said, every problem is fixable. It doesn't matter how you look at it. There's multiple ways to look at a problem and it can be fixed. And what that means is you could reach out to someone else. Who, it could be an opportunity for someone else. They can, they can help you with any problem that arises your way. And for us as humans, we naturally react rather than respond. And we may become emotional about a problem rather than logically thinking about it. So I think for me, my mindset's definitely developed a lot for my meditation, understanding who I am. And my mindset has evolved over time, evidently. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't meditating when I first started my business. You know, I wasn't meditating when I first graduated as a podiatrist. So we can't say that the meditation allowed me back then. But what I can say is if you approach it with a positive attitude, an inquisitive attitude and use what you have at the very moment, you can definitely become more successful than anyone you can imagine. Yeah. Awesome, man. I love that. So powerful. I love that those billionaire lessons as well, uh, which is so valuable too. And just quickly, let's just touch on meditation, right? Because I think it's a really great topic and, and being more recognized and more used today. But I think there's a little bit of cloudiness, let's call it in the market where there's a lot of different types and people are like, Oh, what do I do? Do I have to follow a certain way? Or maybe it's a lot simpler than that. Maybe you just follow a simple process that allows you to just, you know, relax those thoughts and that. So what are your thoughts around, like, I guess what you do or some, some tips for people, um, you know, wanting to meditate more? Sure. I think it's becoming present within your own body is the first tip, right? And, you know, there's multiple different forms of meditation. There can be physical meditation. There can be mindset meditation. There can be vibrational meditation. There can be mantra meditation. But it's important to first understand the reason why we're doing it, you know, and, and what we're attempting to obtain from being more present in our thoughts. And I think that these, these present thoughts or, you know, these concise thoughts and having more, a, a greater control of our mind, you know, allows us to 
project this in day-to-day decisions. There was a study completed um, based on studying the minds of uh, meditators. And at the age of 40, they found that with regular meditators, and I don't know the exact succinct numbers of how they defined regular, but they did find that the the brain was considerably, uh, had aged less and had less damage to the brain. And it seemed and appeared that the brain was 10 years younger compared to the non-meditating group as well. So where meditation takes each individual is completely up to them. What they want to obtain out of meditation is completely up to them as well. For myself, on a personal level, I think as in understanding and recognizing, you know, my opportunity and understanding the present moment, there's actually beauty in the present moment. A lot of the time our mind is thinking either slightly ahead of what we're going to say next, do next, or in the past, what was said, what was done, and how does that now form the current decision? But imagine if we moved into every situation with complete presence, right? And we listened and we responded according to what our environment was, you know, giving or displaying to us, right? There's a lot more, there's a lot more power and there's a lot more learnings in being present in that moment. So we can actually respond accordingly and learn directly from each moment at each time. And believe it or not, it feels like life's going a lot slower when you are present as well. So I think for me, um, I'll continue to obviously practice meditation. Um, I do a few forms of meditation. Understanding myself is the greatest gift. And if we don't understand ourselves, how is anyone else going to understand us? That's my main quote. Yeah, love it, mate. Love those different elements that you shared and, and the key uh, factors and key things that we should be you know, focusing on as the outcome for it uh, and all those benefits. Love it. And so let's get a, just a quickly a little bit more into the podiatry stuff now. So like you said, you you had to start on your own, um, which is awesome because no one was hiring you. So it forced you into a, uh, you know, a blessing in disguise, so to speak, to do that. And now you're in almost every state in Australia um, there. So what do you think was key for you moving from that first medical center where you were there to then growing it to this um, you know, great business um, success? It was the service, um, you know, and the value that's directly provided. And look, I, think, I didn't know at the time. You know, like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't go in there with this business plan to say, I'm going to go in there and provide a service and provide value, which is not comparable to anyone else. I did not know that. That's just naturally the person I am. You know, I'll go above and beyond. And if I'm doing something and let's relay this back to cricket, once I got injured and I knew I had ailments and I maybe I couldn't perform at 100%, you know, at 100% or at the highest level, I had a chat to my parents and I said, mum and dad, I've realized the type of person I am. You guys are saying, why don't I just play casual cricket on the weekend instead? If I'm not paying something at 100% or doing something at 100%, I've got no interest, to be honest. It doesn't motivate me. I don't feel good about myself because I know I could be doing better in that moment in time. And it comes down to being present in that moment in time, you know, and I'm not fulfilling what I'm actually doing at 100%. So, you know, that was the same uh, based on business, you know, at the start, I was a sole trader. It was just me versus me, you know, and how could I be better? And how I scaled was, you know, understanding people and I'll just go above and beyond, you know? Um, and it didn't make sense because I've never really worked for someone. If someone said they needed something and I knew that would, that would come at an additional cost. My question was, why wouldn't I try and do that? Why wouldn't I try and learn an injection to give someone an injection? Why wouldn't I learn how to, prescribe them something that's never been prescribed before 
you know, because there's direct value to that. And that's where my brain naturally went. You know, I never really had that nine to five mindset where I'd just turn up, do the hours and it is what it is, as a lot of people say. I'd find opportunities in that time. I'd understand how I can work more efficiently and I'll give you the best story. This is how I grew. I remember I actually started at the same medical center as my mother. She's a psychologist. And, you know, I started off with maybe one or two patients or three patients at the start and, you know, and maybe make $90 a day, right? Or maybe $120 a day. And then it grew to like 15 or 20 patients and I was making $450 a day. And I remember getting into the car every time, Athen, and I'd sit there and because I'd be like flat chat, like I didn't even have time to calculate, but I'd just get as much done as possible, not eat, you know, just go at 100% the whole time. I'd get into the car and I'm like, mom, I made $450 today. And mate, that car ride home was gold, you know, like just to get excited and see that I was actually making a difference for myself as a 23, 24 year old and you know, I was, then I started timesing above five and I'm like, look, I'm going to be making two or three grand, you know, if I can do this every day. It made me hungry. I started looking for more locations. You know, I, I started to see how I could do the same thing at that same level, you know, with the same number of patients. And then it continued to grow from there. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Love that story where you started and um, nothing holding you back. Uh, I love that element there of, um, yeah, you just had that blank slate of, wanting to do better and, and play at hundred percent. And I, I can definitely, I've won many championships. I haven't done it at the full professional level, but I've played just below it and I've won many championships. And I know what you mean. I remember. Um, what sport? Uh, soccer. I, I tennis as well. I've won um, as well, but soccer mostly uh, or football, depending on where you are in the world. But um, the, um, you know, I remember one day I was playing in the B's, right? I was coming up, I was young and I was playing in the B's and I, was, I had to play in the A's because there were some injuries. And all the guys were like, listen, don't play that well because we, we, we might lose you for the season. We want to keep you in, in, a, in the B's. I'm like, listen, I play the way I play. I can't just like play crap, right? You know, like in a game. And I did well. I assisted a goal. I did all this stuff. And then I played in the A's, you know what I mean, going forward and, and moved wow. up there. Um, so I know what you mean. And I think, you know, we shouldn't settle, right, for something or just trying to fit into a box, just because people say that we should, you know, we should always do our best um, no matter what the situation. I agree with you. I really think us as humans, we've been gifted uniqueness, right? And no one knows our full potential. And we often don't know our full potential. So why wouldn't we explore this? You know, um, because anything's possible. And the more humans that, you know, are born every day in this world's growing, there's even more diversity in the world. There's more opportunities to cater to someone as time progresses because everyone's interests continuously change as well. So I think it's a great place to continue to go, like you said, you know, uh, at 100%. Yeah, I love it, man. And um, just one tip for everybody listening to this, right, we, just from an NLP background, is that everything is just a reflection, right? So if we get triggered by something, um, it's a reflection. But the biggest one is actually that if someone says that we can't do something, it's actually they can't do it because it's a reflection of themselves, right? So just be aware of that. So if someone says, oh, you can't do that, it's like, you might believe you can't do that, but I can do this, right? And, and you got to show them, you know, don't allow their reflection of that they, you know, that they can't, like, maybe they think they can't play professional cricket. Like, you can't play that. Like, yes, I can. Why are you telling me that I can't, you know? And you, and you put yourself into that, that situation to do it. So just to be aware that just because someone says they can't do it, it's actually them that they believe they can't do it. So just a little. That is magnificent. I love that one. 
I'm definitely going to use that for sure, Aston. Yeah, you're welcome, mate. I'm happy for you to use it. It's very, very powerful for, you know, for your team or anybody else, right? Your family, friends, whatever that is, any situation there. So let's get into the real estate now, because obviously this is where a lot of the newer focus has been and um, what you're doing. So uh, like, where did it come about? How did you get started in real estate? Sure. Well, yeah, it looks it looks pretty fantastic in the media. You know, all the headlines are saying three years, 37 properties. You know, how's this guy done it? Um, it all started with podiatry. Um, I saved up roughly $200,000, I think it was within my first year, uh, which means I was doing roughly $4,000 a week at the time. And um, where I scaled to with real estate was I always knew that I had to invest into a property when I had surplus cash or income sitting in the account. So I'm naturally not a spender. You know, I, I naturally don't spend what I have. And so this was building up over time. And I remember I just got into a relationship at the time and I said to my partner and I said, hey, like, I think it's time that I start to look for property. The good thing was that my parents have invested in a few properties. So I, I, I knew it was normal to do that. And my partner had also had a real estate background. So she managed multiple properties as well. It was like a perfect combo. You know, I was spending a lot of time with her, not the family as, as, as this happens. But I knew innately from my family that, you know, investing into property was the right thing to do. And Athen, I just learned off YouTube. I have to be honest with you. I just went on YouTube, you know, looked at plenty of videos and what's my strategy, what type of property is I need to look for. And I went out there in a place called Wollongong, you know, which where a majority of my work was at the time. And I started looking at properties that were, that were potentially had dual income. That's all I was looking for. Multiple sources of income inside the same property, because I knew rentals will never be a problem and me repaying that property would never be a problem if I had multiple sources of income. Well, I landed on a property. It was off market at the time. I met this amazing agent. I think it was the first property I ever looked at. I met him and he goes, you know what? I have another property. It's off market if you wanted to have a look at this. And believe it or not, I bought it. And it was my first property. Um, it wasn't, it, it doesn't go into my investment strategy now. And this just shows everyone that's listening. If you're here for property, if you're here for investment or you're here for business, you know, the, the decision doesn't always need to be correct. And that's what I want to highlight. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people overthink things and even looking back at it now, it wasn't the right decision. His first property, it's still done me very well based on the core principles of cash flow, dual income. And I didn't know at the time location. Um, and then from there, you know, I continue to really perform in, in my, my actual business and work. And then I bought a block of units. Uh, I think it was later that year or potentially the next year because it was a very large down payment. And that block of units provided me a platform to really leverage into the property space. That block of units that I bought made me $1 million in 10 months on a revalue. So then I used that $1 million or the revalue amount, which was loanable, and I purchased another block of units, another block of six. And then from there, I've purchased another block of uh, eight. And then from there, another block of 10. And then from there, another block of eight. So it's been a, a great journey um, of learning, understanding, um, you know, making many mistakes, but also prospering in many areas. And I think now continuing, continuing this journey uh, within Australia, is definitely my main goal. Uh, it's a great country that provides great opportunity. Uh, just understanding what the property code is, is the key. 
Yeah. Awesome, man. I love that. And a lot of people say, just get into the market initially and then, you know, you can work out and adjust the strategy. Like you said, it doesn't matter if the strategy isn't the best, the more you learn, then you can um, make it better, um, you know, going forward by um, sounds like what awesome success and buying those there. And I know you're looking at Airbnbs, right? Um, at the same time, as well as, you know, so do you want to tell us, obviously, um, you know, why you're, you're choosing that over like standard renting and, and I guess a few more areas about that side of side of things? Beautiful. Well, it happened by chance. A lot of things happen by chance in life, don't they? And when I bought that first block of units that I mentioned, it already came with an Airbnb. When I looked at the listing, you know, um, people at the time were quite apprehensive to say, look, it's got an Airbnb inside. How can we verify the income? And the property sat on the market for maybe, you know, three months and it was right next to the beach. So I bought the property and the owner, great guy, his name was Wally. He sat me down. And he said, I'm going to take you through everything uh, related to the Airbnb and I'll just teach you all the systems. Mate, didn't he teach me? He had systems running, automatic systems, had the cleaners sorted. So he literally introduced me to everyone, showed me the systems and said, look, you've got to start your new Airbnb account and we're going to go from there. What I quickly realized, Athen, was, you know, that, pro that actual unit, which was Airbnb, would naturally make maybe $350 a week, maybe $400. My biggest apprehension was it was completely renovated. Like, mate, this unit was beautiful. The bathrooms, the insides, the, the, the feel, how warm it was. And I'd never done anything like this before. So I realized I was making a minimum, absolute minimum, $1,000 a week from $350 to $400 to $1,000 a week from an apartment. And inside that block, I had five. And this is the deal I made with myself. I said, if I buy the property one, Number two, if I make more than $1,000 a week in cash flow, and to answer your question, that's why I've gone to Airbnbs because the cash flow is so high from these properties. I said, Sanjay, you're going to be buying yourself a supercar. That's what I said to myself, right? And I said that to myself because I knew if it was real, um, my main strategy was if I have any additional income from property, I'm going to use that income for some one part of my pleasure right and which is cars love cars so from there what i did was i realized airbnb was successful i bought the supercar and then what i continued to do was renovate more apartments inside that unit block and now today we actually have all five apartments on airbnb in one block yeah awesome man i love that such a powerful story and um, you know, from what I hear about people with Airbnbs, one of the fears is about, well, what if people aren't booking it, right? Or something like that compared to the, the safe, let's call it, having someone renting in there, but less cash flow, but the safe option. Um, what are some, some tips maybe or something like that? You know, do you just believe that it's going to come or is there an element of like location and things like that? You know, when you're looking at stuff with, with Airbnbs, just to make sure that you can actually, yeah, make it, make a decent amount for it. Perfect. I think the main answer here is if people are worried, you know, I think the first thing is to recognize that they're worried and it comes down to the mindset, right? How are you ever going to move forward if you're worried or scared of things? You know, like what are they really scared of? Are they scared of a loss of income? Are they scared of society judging them or their family judging them that they've tried an Airbnb and they're unsuccessful? Like what are they truly worried about? You know, now this is the, these are the facts of the matter. If you have a great apartment that you've actually modified to get onto Airbnb 
and you've done your math right and it's a cash flow property, you can just revert it back to a standard rental and it's completely okay, right? Because when you revert it back to a standard rental, that whole property cash flows anyway. So your get out of jail card is very easy. You still make money at the end of the day after you pay any uh, repayments for your mortgage, loan, or you know debt. The second thing I wanted to mention was if you do launch an Airbnb, of course you want to make it attractive. So location is very powerful. I usually stick to anywhere near the coast, near a beach, where people would naturally want to stay. The ambience is probably the most important thing, but also the price. So I come in naturally quite low. And the reason being is because now I have volume and market share, you know, let's calculate it across five apartments. If I'm looking for $50 more, right, for that one apartment, which a lot of Airbnb owners would, that makes a big difference to them. But if I've discounted all of them by $50, right, that's only a $250 loss, you could say. But think about the uplift of bookings, right? Even if each apartment's $150, if you do 150 times five, you know, that's an equivalent of $750 a day just from one apartment and $150 is probably one of the cheapest rates you could get. And then you times that by seven, not including a weekend, that's $5,250 just from one apartment block. On a standard rental safe was renting out for 400 times five, that's in comparison to $2,000. So you can see the large uplift of minimum, absolute minimum, one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year, just by converting them to Airbnb, and everything still runs exactly the same. Yeah, awesome, man. Love the numbers behind that, and just giving people, you know, they've got that backup option anyway, so don't care about it. Just go for it, and then make it work. So love that, awesome stuff, man. And I know you've also recently founded a software solution. So you want to talk a bit more about this? What made you go down this road? Um, and, you know, and how did you go about, I guess, bringing this to the market? Great question. So the software is an interesting one um, because it's definitely been completed. Um, I've launched it internally, but it hasn't gone to market as yet. And this is a good highlight to you know everyone listening right now. Um, it's actually a big weakness of mine that, you know, I try and uh, operate multiple things all at the same time. And some areas do uh, suffer from this. So the software solution is great. It's for the aged care sector. Um, what it actually solves is, you know, a lot of uh, residents in aged care, especially with an aging population now, they don't get access to, you know, allied health services. And the reason being is because of funding uh, or restriction of paying for these allied health services as well. So what the software does, it allows direct claiming directly to Medicare for any allied health service via, via something called an EPC plan, which a GP writes. And then this provides the power back to the aged care centres to not actually pay for these services outside of their pocket, but assist that resident who qualifies for an EPC plan to claim directly from the government. This then allows, honestly, a no-cost service for you know, all residents and aged care residents to come into the, to um, sort of access these allied health professionals for physiotherapy, podiatry, uh, exercise physiology, to maintain their function, maintain their independence, maintain their strength, and more importantly, maintain their quality of life. So it's a great software solution. It's called Health Claim Australia. Um, you know, it's yet to launch completely. I do need a pretty big team to back me behind it to launch this into the space. But the main solution it solves is reducing costs to aged care homes and aged care businesses 
reducing costs directly to any patients and increasing services, increasing value and the offerings directly to the resident inside these aged care spaces. Yeah, cool, man. Awesome. And yeah, seeing the, obviously being in that health space, you're obviously seeing that problem there and going, how can I make this better and um, create a software behind it? So um, awesome, man. Love it. A lot of awesome diversity there. And you mentioned about the supercars before, right? That you, you like it. So most people, you know, social media, you know, like to see these flashy supercars and probably want one, you know, as their wealth is growing. So what do you want to share about when you're considering, I guess, owning a supercar? Right. Well, let me say this. Any expensive car that I've owned has made me money today. That's what I want to highlight first. So I won't buy something if I don't feel like it's got value and I look at it as an asset as well. So I bought a, a 10-cylinder Audi R8 um, when I first purchased that property. I've had it for, I think, two and a half years now. Great car. Um, it's probably gone up even in today's market, still sitting $150,000 more than I bought it for. Um, I get to enjoy it um, and it's growing in value. They don't make them anymore. Um, so it's a, a wonderful car to have. And obviously it builds a little bit of credibility asset as well. You know, people, people are quite materialistic. They look at things on face value. So if they see that you have a supercar, it does mean that he's doing something. Um, another car that I bought was a G63 G-Wagon. Um, great car as well. Very versatile vehicle. It's definitely gone up in value. I've had that for a year and a half now. Um, and that's sitting roughly fifty or $60,000 above my purchase price as well. So um, the other car I have is a Tesla Model X. No one would believe this, but they don't make them or bring them into the country at the moment as well. So they've gone up in value and I've had six Teslas so far. So, um, yeah, that's a, another great vehicle that I drive daily at the moment um, because it drives me, actually. So I don't even drive it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, great, great points there. It's uh, yeah, very cool. As long as there's lines on the road, right? Um, that's the that's way it. The self-driving. So don't do it on a road without lines. But, um, yeah, that's this has it. been very cool, man. I've been in one of my mates um, driving around in one of those. And, and I like the mentality about, you know, making your money, getting something unique, which, you know, increases over time um, instead of the opposite way. So really, really powerful. And um, yeah, it's been a very, very powerful episode, man, today uh, with so much variety shared and I, I've loved all of it. And I guess as we're starting to wrap up, what um, one key piece of advice would you like to give to all the entrepreneurs uh, watching and listening today? Beautiful. I think back yourself, you know, um, and increase your direct value your surroundings so wherever you are right now i just want everyone to obviously take a deep breath and realize where they are in their lives whether they're still working their job or they they have been given an opportunity and find out how they can use that position you know to learn more number one but to also provide more value directly where they are a lot of the time humans think that they need something externally you know to to take an opportunity or fulfill what they believe should happen rather than actually making the most of their current situation. Because if they do perform right now where they are, they will learn more relative, you know, relative based on income or relative based on skills, which they can leverage and opportunities will come and find you. But as long as we keep improving day to day, I think that is the absolute key from a discipline, from a mindset, from a creativity standpoint, and from a freedom standpoint in thought and actions, and less worry. Let me highlight this after today and even less worry. I think everyone will be successful based on how they define success. That's the key. 
Yeah, awesome, mate. Completely agree with you. So very powerful final words there. And yeah, we connected through our networks. I learned about your awesome journey from, you know, being a former professional cricketer to health sciences, podiatry, property to software, so many different things. Um, Man of uh, great, you know, talents there. And you're an awesome guy. Um, Love the mindset, you know, behind everything as well. I'm sure you continue to bring positive change to the lives of those that you interact through business and personal endeavors. uh, Certainly as an inspiring figure for success and fulfillment. Very grateful that we connected and look forward to work with you. So Sanjay, how can people find you and get in contact with you? Sure. Well, guys, I don't sell anything. Um, I don't um, have any courses. You know, the only thing I would love to develop is a, a great uh, network of people who can connect with one another. So if you follow my direct Instagram, uh, my main page, which you'll see live content is the Parasha. So T-H-E-P-A-R-A-S-H-E-R. If you want more direct property content, I've just launched an Instagram and TikTok. uh, And those usernames are Parasha Property on both platforms where you can go directly for the nitty gritty information on how to launch Airbnbs, what to look for in a property, how to scale a property portfolio, but more importantly, not, not what to do as well. Uh, when property investing as well. So I look forward to connecting with you guys there. If you want to search me on LinkedIn, for sure, uh, let's connect on LinkedIn. I think it's a great platform to be able to share business ideas, understand what's happening in the business space, keep up to date with what I'm at, but obviously get to understand you and see how I can work with other individuals. So I look forward to seeing you all then. Awesome. Definitely check out Sanjay in all those different areas there. Um, amazing guy, amazing value to share uh, today as well as ongoing. And I want to thank everyone for watching and listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. And please like, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Ethan Cassiotis or visit my website, ethancassiotis.com. If you want to grow and scale your business, you can reach out to me in any platform to see if we're a good fit. I completely agree with you, or do I? The only way we know is if you tune in next time. So until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. So remember to design your growth and results.